He was great as Richard Harrow on Boardwalk Empire. His mask sold for $12,000 in that online auction on HBO. That's right. Can't wait for that Game of Thrones auction. That'll be the big one. I want to buy one of the scripts so I can rewrite some of that. (laughs) Oh, God damn. (laughs) Ghostbusters is not going to go away. That original film is not going to fucking go away. They actually George Lucas, the original movie. Shut the fuck up. They cut off all the main character dicks. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new Ghostbusters film, which is directed by Paul Fee. I don't think you want any help. I think you want to have a little pity party. Yeah, I think Annie wants a little pity party. Is that what you want? Ow! You're an asshole, Annie. Oh my God, what are you doing? You're an asshole. I'm life, huh? Life bothering you? Oh, yes, that's I'm life, What are you Annie. doing? I'm life, Annie. Oh, How are you doing? What are you, Megan? You better learn to fight. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts... Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into episode 73 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with my co-hosts, Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. When there's shit movies that need a review, who are you going to call? Film Tank! That was wonderful. I tried. I you did try. Yeah, that but... is, in fact, true. Yeah. Trying will get you nowhere in this life. Bitch, why didn't you say something? It's all right. Nick is kind of a pessimist. That's so okay. Right. I thought you were going to do like a spooky ghost voice. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was <Yeah>. the most... <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I don't, I, yeah. So anyways, we are talking about Ghostbusters, the, uh, the 2016 version to be exact. Are you sure? Yeah, well, I mean, we don't want to confuse them because some people are having a hard time with uh, this and the original. So. Oh, boy, they are. We'll get into that and all of the sexism sexism coming up shortly. But first, we can review. Who would like to go first? I see Nick raising his hand already. Please, Nick. Go. Oh, well. <laughs> Did you not want to go first? <laughs> no, I, I, I can go first. Okay. Let's see here. Okay, there's two things I would like to mention. I watched a movie called An Autumn Afternoon, which is by uh, the director Yasujiro Ozu, uh, who have only seen one other film by him, but he is a, basically, if Kurosawa is like the most famous Japanese director, he might, this one, I would say, Ozu might be the most celebrated in critical circles, like, Kurosawa was the master of blockbusters. Ozu was the master of like domestic, uh, silent dramas. Not literally silent, but quiet and whatnot. Although he did have a long line of silent films as well. Anyway, uh, he makes movies about uh, immediate families and the dysfunction that comes between the expectations of parents versus the uh, 
the trailblazing, uh, shall we say, trajectory that Yust want to take and how those two often conflict. And this one is no different. This was his very last movie that he ever made before he died. And it is about a um, uh, an old man who has a daughter about 24 years old. And in this in this culture back then, in, in Japanese culture, it was very prominent for, you know, like, for them to literally marry off their daughters, you know. And, to keep the bloodline strong. Well, that, but also, as we see in this movie, and which is pretty, I think, uh, if not accurate, uh, lifelike representation of the culture back then, it's it's also not even just for bloodline purposes, but for, like, just practicality purposes, because they have, they have a strong belief in, like, preparing for the future of, like, when you get old. Now, do they have something like dowries and stuff like that, or not really? It's, it's weird, because I'm, I'm not, like, an expert in Japanese culture, so I don't know ex- how much of this... Like, okay, I, I do know that Ozu's uh, filmography is certainly autobiographical in nature. Um, he's right. actually a man who never got married and lived with his mother his entire life, all the way up until he died. Norman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Norman? So he himself was struggling with the the, sure. I, the ideals of, like, at what point do you let go uh, of trying to pay back the debt you owe to your parents and try to forge your own path, and yet at what point, should, you know, whatever. So this movie is certainly, a, as his last movie, it's quite a fitting swan song, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, something about Ozu that's very interesting is he does not move the camera. It is all uh, shots where the camera, all he ever does is cut. So, so it's always stationary? Yep. Oh. Always stationary. Oh. Uh, so all of his, but he's meticulous about what's in the shot. So, I mean, every single shot is a portrait. It's a tableau of some sort. Uh, so the movie looks fantastic, even if some people might mistake that stationary camera as like a slow and beguiling uh, pace. But uh, yeah, it's just a two hour movie. And I love the way the movie will kind of branch off and not like take the male protagonist story for granted as like the only person who matters or anything like that. It will branch off into some of his friends for a few minutes who face certain similar decisions. Uh, Cause one married a young person and that was his solution to his problem as to uh, how could the whole movie is concerned with like dying alone and how we're all going to die alone. It's just a matter of how we choose yep. uh, to head toward that finish line and whatnot and what's selfish and what's selfless, that kind of thing. Um, but, and we follow his daughter, we follow his son who is married, but not very happy. You know, it's how there's no right or wrong reason for any of this. And yet, at the end of the day, we have to try to live with ourselves and the decisions we make. So hmm. I thought it was fantastic. It's only the second movie I've seen from him, but it's basically two grand slams in a row because his other movie, which is very heralded, uh, was Tokyo Story, and that was great. So, so far, my relationship with Ozu is uh, batting 1,000. Now... Um, are there long takes or are there a lot of cuts in this film? A lot of cuts. I mean, it, yeah, he doesn't okay. limit himself to like, oh man, this is just dragging out or whatever. It's just, he just doesn't move the camera when everybody okay. else would. So if he needs to get closer to a, whatever, he'll just cut to a closer up rather mm-hmm. than, you know, push in and push out. And that. So okay. other than that, like his movies, I would say are edited regularly or whatever. I will say his scripts, cause he writes them all are certainly, uh, shall we say, line up on the understated side of things. Like, if they're okay. not melodramatic, they're a lot more. But I think that goes along with the culture that he was brought up in, which is a lot more glances and hmm. less shouting, that kind of thing. So, cool. So, yeah, that was a... Sounds that not 
similar, but it sounds like kind of the storytelling style of a film like poetry or something like that. Yes. Yeah, no, okay. and he's even talked about uh, that uh, director, I forget his name now, has talked about his Ozu influences for sure. Um, the other movie I really quickly wanted to talk about was uh, a movie called The Long Day Closes. Uh, I should say both of these movies I picked up in the Criterion sale at Barnes & Noble. Uh, Even though you weren't going to participate in that this year? You know, <laughs> you know, the sale wasn't on when I said that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Um, and so, yeah, this movie, The Long Day Closes, is a, a, a British film uh, directed by Terrence Davies, who just won um, his movie, just won the Palm, like his current movie, just won the Palm d'Or, I believe, at uh, Cannes. Did um, I get food, too? Probably. Everything <laughs> does over there. Um so, yeah, I've never seen one of his movies, and so I, I started with this one, and so this was the first time this year. Okay, I made a rule with myself earlier this year that I would not give any movie a five-star view, a five-star rating upon first viewing from now on. Like, if I love that movie, then I'll watch it again, and yeah. then I can allow myself, because that would, you know, try uh, to... Well, hold on, though. I broke it once. Uh-huh. Which is actually pretty good compared to the fact that I was doing it more than once. Yeah. Or whatever. So I broke it once earlier there, this year with The Graduate because I had never seen that before. Oh. Watched it. Absolutely loved it. I just yeah. could not not. Uh, this, I did not break it, but this was the first movie since The Graduate back in like January when I first watched that, uh, that I was this close to breaking it because this was a masterpiece in, mm. in all and. All sense of the word. It's like 80-something minutes long. I mean, it comes and goes. Uh, but I've never seen – it's so simple – it's uh, largely plotless, but never not uh, propulsive in its narrative. It's it's quite literally just about a. I think the back even describes it as a sad and lonely boy growing up in England is loved by his family, and that's pretty much all it is. Like it's just um, very similar to something like the Tree of Life in the sense hmm. that you just watch somebody's memories. Rather, there are than dinosaurs just, in this one too. Yes, and they are, are there really? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's great about it is that the, the central character, uh, Bud is his name, uh, is gets lost in uh, movies. He loves movies. And so when we see his memories... Now, hold on. When you say he gets lost in movies, like, does he actually physically end up in movies, or is it, like, a psychological thing? It's a... It's a... I will say... Or are they one in the same? They're one in the same in the sense okay. that the way he remembers his past... He's never not participating in both things at life, both reality and pop culture, so to speak. I'm already intrigued. And so, like, when we watch the Christmas scene, a song that um, Nat King Cole sang in a movie, like, not just a song, but, like, his actual character is, like, talking over this tableau of this Christmas dinner. And so it's kind of like he probably listened to that or watched that movie a thousand times that week at the picture show because it takes place in, like, the 50s, I believe. Okay. Um, uh, while he remembers those moments. And I think that's how a lot of people, myself included, have memories in the sense that they're, they're not these perfect, like, video clips that huh. you can get on a on a computer like you know batman v superman style with their QuickTime files uh, <laughs> but like you know like that, that they 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 mesh uh av you know like our the soundtrack of our lives and not exactly the the actual dialogue of our memories and whatnot and what year did this film come out came out in 1993 okay so it's it's relatively modern uh, as far as filmmaking and all that uh, but it was fantastic it, the, and it's just you're, you're just watching a little boy 
and you get the feeling that the the boy that you're watching has grown up in the timeline of the movie, but like these are his memories. It's not like you're experiencing it um, in the present of that timeline because it's just the way it's edited, and it's just fantastic. There are some dream sequences where like the movie will become a nightmare, but I mean I'm talking like a legitimate like scarier than any horror movie I've seen just for a brief moment, and the way it just goes through all of these different uh, feelings and emotions and. And parts of cinema is just fantastic. There was a moment when him and his sister uh, perform a Judy Garland song, not from A Star Is Born, but from another Judy Garland musical I'm familiar with. Hmm. Uh, and I was just like, oh my god! Like you know, it's just I, I love the way that pop culture completely uh, makes up the DNA of this little boy's life and and his necessity for that passion. So. Uh, yeah, as a movie about a little boy who couldn't stop watching movies, uh, I I was, uh, but felt, felt a connection there a little, a bit. little bit. But at the end of the day, the other thing is that it is so impeccably directed. Like I've never seen someone's like visual style be this uh, idiosyncratically uh, amazing. Like Terrence Malick has his style. You know, Martin Scorsese has his style. There's so many few directors that can actually say that that's their distinctive style, and Terrence Davey is now on that list for me because hmm. nobody is making movies like he is, so I cannot wait to watch everything else he's ever made. Awesome. So that was the, the long day closes. Speaking really quickly about the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. uh, I saw earlier this week that Boyhood is going to be yep. coming out. Uh, and With an atrocious cover. Yeah. I was not a fan of that cover. That's I, I'm, I'm pretty much with you there. <laughs> But it's not like that's the first time. Like no, some I mean, of the Criterion covers aren't great. I agree, and, that, and that's what I love about Criterion in the sense that they always commission other artists. They don't just do like in-house. So it, yeah. you know, it's whatever. But uh, I was just a little disappointed with it. So, do you know? Is there going to be extended, um, extended like the cut of the movie itself? No, no, oh. like extended special features. Oh yeah, no. Okay. It, um, the special pieces are already uh, listed and uh, okay. announced, well, so uh, there will be a commentary, which, like, basically everything on this disc was not on the Bare Bones okay. Blu-ray release that came out. Uh, so, yeah, there is a, uh, a commentary, feature length, with uh, Richard Linklater, which is three hours of Richard Linklater talking about it. So that, even if it was just that, that would pretty much be all I would need. <laughs> There's supposed to be a feature length documentary that was filmed from the entire span of the whole production. Which is what I was looking yes. for. Yep. The and whole then time. there was, uh, um, there's like three or four other things that I'm forgetting. So, uh, but those are the two big things is that yeah. there's, there's See, a huge documentary and a commentary. And even though I, I don't love that some films do this just to have this available a few years later for Criterion, this is the first time when I no doubt will be buying the Criterion of this, even though I already own the Blu-ray. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean, there's only certain things I would do it for, but uh, when it's, especially Boyhood, I mean, when it's such a unique production like that, that, you know, Criterion will not just enhance the AV, but like actually take you to where you want to get to. Uh, yeah. Which is what I was looking for the whole time. Yeah. And so. uh, it comes out in October, which means November, when the next 50% off sale, you can get it for 20 bucks. I'll so, be there. There you go. So that's my little insider tip. Well, you're our resident Criterion expert, so... I am. I, I, I crossed the 200 threshold. Uh, you own 200 Criterions? I own over 200. Oh, my. Yeah. I believe I own three. Hey, you're getting there. I, I started with that. Well, yes, everybody started with a lower number. I own Thief, The Killing, and Throne of Blood. And that's All it. three good stuff? I own... Do you own all three of those? Yes, I do. Okay. 
Um, Rashomon? Rashomon. See, I know what you guys own. This is, <laughs> this is sad. And... That's how invested I am in this fucking company. Fuck, I can't remember the third one. Um, Armageddon? No. I own that one. <laughs> I didn't know that was... And I oh, love that, that one. There. Okay. That was early Criterion That days, commentary... Which you can now, like, YouTube, people have taken excerpts from it, is amazing. Ben like Affleck, in a bad way? No, like oh. in a great way. Well, oh. When Ben Affleck is yeah. just like... Ben Affleck like... talks about Michael Bay's directing style, <laughs> and he holds no... Like, he's not being mean, yeah. but he's like, yeah, I went up to uh, Michael the other, uh, during this scene, and I said, hey, Michael, wouldn't it be easier to just train astronauts how to drill instead of the other way around? And he goes, go fuck yourself. And <laughs> and, and like and he's just talking, like, and I'm like, this is great. But there was like a whole ten minutes about how he kept asking Michael questions, and he was like... Just like telling him to go fuck himself every time. And I'm like, well, clearly yeah. that rubbed off in his directorial style because Ben Affleck has pretty much only made awful movies. No, they've all been pretty much really good, and Michael Bay has gone the other direction completely. Yeah. What if you actually thought like a director? How about you go fuck yourself? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm sure more than we know, sadly. Yeah. But anyway. We'll have to have an episode someday talking about Criterion a little more in depth. Ooh. Ooh, I know you would enjoy this it. This table just got a few inches high. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I as I just mentioned, I only own three of them, but I've viewed quite a few more because I've seen yeah. ones that you own, yeah. and it is uh, it, it is definitely unique their their style. So, and if people don't know what it is, they should. And it could be a nice little PSA, a little bonus episode. I think we should do it someday. Yeah. Let's let's plan on it. Boom. All right, uh, moving on to Toussaint. Yeah, I didn't watch a lot of films. I did watch some television, though, because this new show on Netflix came out called Stranger Things, uh, directed by the Duffer Brothers. I don't know anything by them. I think they've done uh, just some occasional, like, throwaway like like projects here and there but this one is actually really good it's 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 generated a lot of buzz before it came out and i'm look i was looking forward to it and it's actually pretty good i'm like five episodes into the initial eight episode run it's basically it takes place in uh indiana 1984 um so it's a period piece and it's very much a throwback to that steven spielberg Stephen King sort of like hybrid of Mac and me era Mac and me era of like sci-fi fantasy adolescent coming of age pastiche but pastiche um so like E.T. actually well sort of it's got a kind of got an E.T. vibe to it yeah it's like it's like E.T. mixed with um the body Hmm. The E.T. E. mixed with uh, Stand By Me in sort of a way. It's, okay. it's, it's kind of got that feel about it. Um, I like it. I think that it's really well shot. The title sequence, because you know how much I love title sequences, uh, is really fucking cool. I really like it. it. It really reminds me of like an old like 1980s like series. Like It even has like this film grain that kind of like pops up around it. It has this like really cool like synth pop um like soundtrack behind it. And it also has like a lot of licensed music too from like uh, uh, Joy Division and uh, New Order, which is the band after Joy Division. It's like that was really cool. Um, I just got done with the, the fifth episode and they had like a, a cameo from Elegia from uh, New Order's first album, I think. And that was really dope. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's I want to wait until like I've, I've watched the entire series before I make my final assessment of it. Now let's back up just a second here because mm-hmm. I don't know too much about this. I've heard some from other people. Okay. But is this going to be a continuing series? Is this their first real step into trying the 
ever-growing popular miniseries, or what exactly is this? I mean, they've already had the ever-growing popular miniseries in the form of, like, Orange is the New Black no. and House of Cards. No, no, and... no, no. I'm, I'm talking... That's a series. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking, like... like uh, one it... season only. Yeah, like one season, nine episodes. Oh, well, that's sort of the impression that I, I've gotten, because it seems okay. like it could, it could be, like, a, a, a self-contained finite story, but... From what I've heard and what I've actually talked with Nick about this before, that there is actually supposed to be a – and he hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, there's supposed to be sort of like a open-ended sort of backdoor possibility that if it if it there's, were but, to be picked up, it could have a second season. There's possibly. been no official renewal announcement yet, but like something like Sense8, they renewed that like four months after the fact. But right. it isn't a plan uh, miniseries like right. Mildred Pierce no, or supposed to be, or something like that. It can continue. Okay. Yeah. And it will if it – if they wanted to, gotcha. Yeah. We'll see how much. Uh, at this point, they they've already they already have an episode like episode four, which is called the body. Which I don't know how you could be even more on the nose for, for a for a nod to to Stephen King than to name it after one of his short stories or one of his stories. Um, so we'll, we'll see how if 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 this this series were to evolve if they were like to jump forward a little bit in time and to like actually document like the changes in the world around them like that'd be kind of interesting instead of just like being hooked primarily into this sort of like fugue aura of 80s affectation because on, on its on its own i think that it could be a really compelling story it just it's that extra like icing on the on the cake so to speak that really brings it home into being palatable for people nowadays. Cool. Yeah. So in terms of sort of the style of, of television show, this is, uh, can you kind of put like a, like a name on it or is it really hard to really grasp? Is it dramatic? Is it mystery? Mystery, mystery drama. Okay. Mystery drama, missing person, mystery drama. Okay. With a strong, uh, throwback sci-fi, um, kitsch element to it. Okay. Yeah. Now, how familiar are you with Netflix series? Because I haven't watched hardly any of them, but I know a lot of people who um, have Netflix and watch right. them, but love pretty much everything Netflix has put out so far. I mean, I've I was one of those 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 people who jumped on the train with House of Cards, and yeah. I think I followed it through all the way to the end of the third season and then i tried like dipping into the fourth and i just kind of fell off because i just i i just really didn't care anymore um i already sort of know what's going to happen with that and when it happens then i'll go back and jump into it and see what <laughs> happens but like it's it, it, it it's a it's a it, it's a tragedy is what it's supposed to be yeah but they they've had a lot of series that have really panned out well that orange, orange is, is new, new black, black. yeah um daredevil Daredevil has done terrific. Yeah. Uh, people really have enjoyed uh, both seasons of Bloodline, even if it doesn't pull the kind of viewer numbers. And I like um, – I, I never thought I would say this. I really enjoy BoJack Horseman because when mm -hmm. it first started out, I was not feeling it. I didn't really <laughs> like the animation style. Yeah. But it's sort of – it starts off really unfunny, like deliberately. It's just, it's just not a funny show. And then as it grows on, it's like these characters sort of like – they grow on you, and then it has like this really weird pivot point where it gets really fucking bizarre in the first season, and then like right at the climax, it's the, just the most heartbreaking like lull where it just like dips into like some really deep real shit, 
and then it sort of like picks up a little bit at the end. Like it's it's and and that's an arc that's also mirrored in its second season as well. Like it has something like similar to that. Um, so I mean, I enjoy that sort of that rhythm. I mean, a lot of people could probably find it really trite and very like tiresome because it's so predictive i guess mm-hmm. but we'll see like what happens with like the next season of that i'm i'm looking forward to that like i i enjoy netflix series yeah and i think for the most part most people have even even the ones that have kind of been resurrected on netflix like arrested development even even oh, that yeah that um great. that full house thing even if a lot of people didn't like it. I yeah. do know a whole legion of people who ate that shit up. Yeah. So whether or not it actually be good, they seem to have a good a good view of what people would like to see, well, especially in that format of being able to binge watch. If you already own Netflix, then you're probably going to watch it simply for the fact that like Netflix, there. Netflix, <laughs> Netflix has this really weird sort of this weird rhythm to it as a, as a streaming service in that it doesn't offer everything. And that once you, you can very easily go through everything that you would possibly be interested in within like a week. And then afterwards you're just kind of like scraping around and seeing just like, what the hell is, else is on here? But then didn't used to be the case a good three to four years ago when there, I would say like, especially like their TV section was quite uh, robust. Yeah. Robust, whatever. But the more money they have to set aside for their original programming, the more that they have to cut costs on Ooh. their. And uh, that's why I'm not a fan right now of their, of their uh, just general catalog, uh, original programming notwithstanding. In order to compensate for a, a lack of diversity in the in because the oh, right. I was okay. just going to say real quickly, uh, at least for right now, and I'm sure this is not their plan at all, but I am am hoping they go a little more towards getting previously owned films in their catalog and not trying to get as deep into the uh, the film release category because they seem to not have a great grasp on that like they do with television. So no, far. it's film. They're, they're struggling, uh, I would say. I would say they're not necessarily struggling because we technically don't, shall we say, because uh, they're notorious for not releasing their numbers. So we can't say with empirical evidence whether their film they're doing that I bad. I suppose that's true, but I I never hear any buzz for any of their films ever. I mean – Not buzz, but that's A because – donation. That was, I was uh, going to say that that got a lot of praise. What's that? Be some donation. Oh, yeah. With Idris Elba. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know, yeah, their most recent stuff with Adam Sandler and um, uh, Ricky Gervais had one. Uh, while I don't know, like, everybody who watched it the same way, th- nobody's going to talk about that no matter what the same way they're going to talk about Orange is the New Black. Like, when, when that's like an event, so to speak. So I feel like they're hitting their mark that they want to hit. Mm-hmm. With these deals, uh, I don't know. I'm not giving up hope yet with their film because they have a Christopher Guest mockumentary oh, commission. Ooh. So as a fan of that, but I, just knowing, but the, in general, yeah, knowing TV. the kind of money that they have and the kind of money that they're throwing at people, it, it's it's just a little concerning for me. Their sort of model that they have, especially yeah. for being someone who loves seeing film in the theater, and and the idea if the producer of the film just decided a different way a film that honestly i don't know if people are going to like as much as i did but a film that could easily have pretty much not been in the theaters at all which is birth of a nation which they turned down netflix's 20 million dollars because they're like you're not going to put our movie in the theater so why would we go with that yeah i will say the difference between their approach to tv and movies is pretty 
obvious when you look at the fact that TV, they create a space for people's vision and voices that a lot of times would not often be heard on regular, like, network or cable uh, channels. Like, they're not afraid to basically give them full control and to cater to an audience that won't be huge because they know they have other stuff that can pull the slack of it. Whereas movies, they're trying to find, like, the lowest common denominator. Uh, Not necessarily for all their projects, like Beast of a Donation, but, like, the Adam Sandler deal. Like, they're only betting on known quantities instead of uh, unknown. But, yeah. We'll see. It's certainly something they can improve on. Did I tell you really quick mm-hmm. that I watched The Fundamentals of Caring? I saw you absolutely hated it. Yeah, that was uh, the movie that was at Sundance when we were there, but that was acquired by Netflix, and uh, I'm not going like, to talk about it, but, oh boy, it that definitely, I gave it a half star out yeah. of five, and that, when I watched it, I'm like, I can totally see why Netflix picked it up, and this is a piece of shit. Hmm. Well, it's got Paul Rudd, so that's... I, that's the only reason why I finished star it. Star recognition, I guess. Well, no, that's the only reason why I finished it, because I do find him charming. It's just the script itself I thought was awful. But uh, Now, awful in, like, because uh, I don't know much other than the plot line and the, and the... So is it like... I have a very low tolerance for movies about uh, young adults with chronic illness. Uh, there's a certain, uh, shall we say trajectory and path that 90% of them take and if you take it you have to back it up with like exemplary dialogue and whatever but if you're See, just a shitty run of the mill one then you're just an awful the film I was going to bring up uh, that I was going to compare to that even though I've never seen The Fundamentals of Caring was mm-hmm. The Fault in Our Stars it's very similar to that okay. uh, where you know it's like trying to take a oh look it's a, it's a kid suffering from something horrifying but he's got a <laughs> he's got a sense of humor about it that yeah. motherfucker yeah. Um, and yet by the end of it he's basically he I mean I'm not saying they solve him by the end of it, like his illness or so. It's not like finding Dory levels of, uh, he can walk, my fear. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That was Dr. Strangelove. I know. Uh, yeah. 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 Sure. Anyway. I was like, where the fuck? Um, <laughs> just a little cinematic callback for you guys. I know. Um, but uh, by the end of the movie, too many things go his way. And I, I, I don't know. I'm just a pessimistic person. So it's not that I can't like a movie that's positive or anything. But I don't like a movie that I would say in that realm of uh, stories about young adults with chronic illnesses that pats himself on the back for saying like, oh, but he has feelings too. Like, oh, no shit. It's very <laughs> anyway. saccharine, self-congratulatory, yeah. and awesome. They're and the shallow. fact that it's actually really about Paul Rudd's character in the end, I'm like, oh, another white entitled male asshole who gets his uh, rocks off and becomes a better person because he meets a person who can't uh, have sex with a girl. You know, it's pretty like, much the plot for role models. So, yeah, but that <laughs> technically was a parody of that, and not parody, <laughs> but uh, you know, like it. No, I'm, so, I'm but yes, a joke. No, but yeah. it, that is kind of true. <laughs> uh, but anyway, all right. Moving on to myself really quickly, uh, the two movies I wanted to bring up, and I'm really only talking a little bit about the second one because I haven't finished my second viewing of it. Oh, boy. Because I have – this is the first time I've seen it since the theater, which was in 2013 when me and Nick went and saw it. Look at that. I know, right? I think we saw it – this is dating myself big time, but we saw it uh, during the – I was dating you too. (laughs) We saw it during the day, during a weekday. I think uh, before we had a class together or something like that. that. We were going to see movies. On the reg. Like whenever we could. uh, Yeah, before class, after class. Aw. Yeah, it was pretty cute. I know. And I'm like, I 
think of nowadays going to see that, and it's just like not even close. I was gonna say things things have changed. I know the closest example I have, and it was weird for me going to the theater during the daytime on a weekday. Was last year, uh, right before Christmas, when we were closed on a December twenty third, and I went and saw Creed in the theater. Uh, and it was really awkward. That is weird. <laughs> yes. What's wrong with you? Shut the fuck up. So, anyways, <laughs> the movies I want to talk about really quickly are the two J.J. Abrams Star Trek films, which are his first film, just called Star Trek. They should have had to call it the 2009 Star Trek, right? And Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, I'm of the opinion that Star Trek, the the first film in this series, is actually an absolute fantastic film. Hmm. And I pretty much love every minute of it. And I've seen it four times now, once in the theater in 2009 and three times since. And I eat it up every time. I'm a huge fan. Um, this is finally someone who's found out how to properly use Chris Pine. Because for the most part, he's not a very good actor, in my opinion. And there's a lot of other people who just play great parts in this. Like Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, Bruce Greenwood, Carl Urban's actually pretty good as Bones. Uh, Zoe Saldana is actually wonderful in this series, in my opinion. John Cho, before he became... Whatever that gay Sulu, yeah, whatever that character is going to be now. Oh. I love that he's now like gay Perry and kiss kiss bang bang. Like every time people refer to it, it's gay Sulu. Yeah, like, okay. So, but anyways, mm. there's a lot of great character actors in this film that are doing a good job in Star Trek film. And I don't know, there's some about this first one that I absolutely love, and it's really unfortunate, in my opinion, that this came out the same year as Avatar because the graphics in this film are absolutely just a step above what pretty much everyone else is doing. Even seven years later, like the first time you see the enterprise in this film, I'm like blown away. When at how awesome it looks when it's being built like on, in the, uh, like, like in the first, first star Trek film, like when you actually see the, the enterprise like being built and assembled, like that's a really cool scene when, when Kirk's just like looking up at it from his, uh, yeah. motorcycle. Yeah. I'm I'm more talking about when when they go into space for the first time. Oh, okay, yeah, and you actually see it, and it's like holy fuck, that actually like looks like a real thing. Yeah, and uh, the graphics, the story, even with the replaceable Eric Bana villain of Nero, um, it's it's a fun. I little... Forgot he was. I know. Is yeah. it so easy to do that? It's I so love... easy to forget the the villains of these Star Trek films. Well, now. it's like so, I just so easy to forget it... the villains. Period. Now, mm. I just meant that I forgot it was Eric Bana, like because he's covered in all that uh, prosthetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do love that it was between him and Russell Crowe, and I'm oh. glad they went with Eric Me Bana. Too. Yeah. So, anyways, so speaking of the first movie, yes. the news came out that we will revisit. Uh, what's his name? Chris Hemsworth. In his first movie role, I told Emily that that was Thor, and she's like, get the fuck out of here. That's not Thor, so there you oh, go. really? It looks just like him. I know. He's a little bit younger, but okay. yeah. But I mean, he's got that do going on and everything. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, and Jennifer Morrison from House. Yes. The, uh, the Kirk's mom. Yes. Yeah, she mm. comes and goes. It's Winona, a great opening Winona Ryder also shows up. That's right. As Spock's mother. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. But no, I'm I'm a big fan of that. I mean, I like that movie, but I love that opening sequence. I do too. Um, I love the time travel aspect of this, even though it makes sense with J.J. Abrams and sort of his history with sci-fi. Uh, I love it here, and, and it works great, and it doesn't try to get overly into scientific realism, but it also doesn't seem stupid. So I'm who, a fan. Who is your favorite captain? Is it Kirk or is it Picard? Uh, I've, He's never watched I any mean, of the shows. I, I've seen some of the shows and a little bit of the movies, but I honestly don't care about previous Star Trek. The correct if, answer if was anybody, Janeway. 
is what? I, again, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't, again, don't care. Like, this <laughs> is know. flying over my head like Drax right now. That's like, okay. I, it doesn't matter First to me. First of all, Picard is much better than Kirk. I said Janeway is the right answer, though. No, you said who is better, and then you named two answers. All right. So anyways, moving on to Star Trek Into Darkness, which a lot of people did not care for. A lot of people did. uh, And I fall into the camp of, for the most part, I enjoyed it. uh, Just because it's a beautiful-looking space New Age film that that looks good, has vibrant colors, especially on Blu-ray. The storyline isn't great, but it's also not horrible. And for someone who, as I've mentioned, doesn't, really not care at all about previous Star Trek visions. Uh, I just enjoy it. And I really don't care about the whole con thing, even though people, a lot of people do. But I think another thing is too, is the obsessiveness of which the creators of this film tried to hide that, which just really just rubbed people the wrong way. I mean, yeah, it's the same yeah. thing with Prometheus, a movie I like, but mm-hmm. like, I don't care about it at the end of the day. It's just like, really? Like, <laughs> why are you shooting yourself in the foot when you don't have to? Or Blofeld and Bond. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. I, I will admit that I'm not a fan of that second movie at all, but it had nothing to do with Khan or anything like that. Mm. Nor, I will say, does it, for me at least, like, it's not that I want a movie to be like a Star Trek movie, but I think there is something weird about using the property to tell, uh, shall we say, bland action movie premises that have nothing to do with the central premise of what a Star Trek movie should it's be. It's directly antithetical to what Star Trek has been up to this point, but you know, it's... If not that, it, and, here's, and the only reason why I say that, because it's not like it's ruining my childhood or anything like that, <gasps> because, A, I didn't watch Heavens Star Heavens forbid. Trek. I know. I didn't watch Star Trek, so I'm not trying to say it's retroactively ruining anything, but the difference between something like why I don't care about it for Ghostbusters and why I might think that there's something to at least look at with this new Star Trek series is that this is taking the place of Star Trek. Now... Luckily, Brian Fuller has a new series coming out, so there will be another original Star Trek property that will be probably more aligned with the more uh, story-driven Gene Roddenberry uh, creations. Uh, but but when J.J. Abrams was the only person making a Star Trek movie, it seemed like nobody else was going to commission any more as long as he was. So if he was the only person, like if we were only going to get into darkness from now on because that would be the only thing that makes money, I can understand why somebody would feel a little upset that we are going to use all this technology only for this one person's vision. When in reality, part of the reason why Star Trek has certainly uh, thrived for all since the 60s is because more different people come on and, and take their own spin on a, well, a pretty central idea. And we'll see what happens with this new film, which is why I really have watched yeah. these last two, the last couple of days. Uh, Star Trek Beyond, which from the trailer looked horrible yeah. and has gotten actually decent reviews so far. So we'll see. Yep. All the reviews have said, and we'll see, mm-hmm. that it's like it's the positiveness, which has been certainly more than I thought it would be, is because it's Justin Lin directing action. So like, yeah. it's like that part is good. But whether it's like a Star Trek movie is something to be discussed. So we'll see. We shall see. Um, I'm a fan of the first two, though, and I really love what this series is. Uh, at the same time, though, again, don't really care about previous Star Trek properties. So maybe that makes me a bad guy, but I it, it just I, I, I enjoy I just want to point out one thing, which is that sure. you shouldn't 
care about previous like entries because this is a new iteration. So I'm not trying to say that this is whatever, um, right? Like, this is ruining or anything like that. I think this standalone and but whatever. I, I think it's it seems it takes place in a separate continuity. Yeah, and it I does. think there's and they they even try to really hammer that home in the first film. So yeah. Spock's planet is destroyed. I just think that there's right. some kind of value in people wanting their Star Trek to not look a certain way, but uh, to explore ideas in a certain mode, so to speak. Uh, And there's value in this franchise as well. I just think I'm glad that there's room for both is what I'm trying to say. Whereas like something like Star Wars, like that is only going to go through Disney's machine. And, and I'm not saying they're not good or bad, but like all we're going to get is that singular vision of that franchise from up top. I think, I don't know about that in terms of that singular vision. And, and I'm not saying that because of what they are necessarily doing with the film version of the franchise, but I know that there is so much more to the Star Wars series. Even I mean, even like I this, know that there are the, like, like the cartoon series, like the, the Rebels, which is supposed to be great. And, and there's like a whole comic book series yeah, of no, it, I guess. which, which it, it's like going way deep into because I just recently watched the special features for the first time from The Force Awakens and J.J. Abrams talks about how Disney came to him and said, hey, we're planning to do this. Is this something we could do? Because obviously, hey, we're, we're putting the money here, so just can we... This is what we're going to do. It's a creative vision, whatever. But all these little things that previously, if you would notice them in a film, you'd say, I hope they bring that back like they're not going to like it's going yeah. to come back in a different medium whether it be good bad otherwise i don't know but it's at least trying to do so because and the, the thing i'm referencing is really random and really bears nothing on the series but it was something that i found kind of bizarre the first time they made mention to it in the film and then it moved on and that was c3po's red arm that he has uh and then if you actually watch the final scene he's got his full gold armory back and apparently there's going to be an entire comic book yep, that explains it. explains his red yeah. arm. And I'm, I'm all for that. I guess what I was referring to is the fact that I don't think Disney is going to allow a Star Wars film, like if we're just talking about the films, okay. to not somehow connect to the larger universe. Because like, I thought Rogue One... But they're not going to have a crawl in front of Rogue One. Really? That then that was a, that's that, still being that like, was a story that came. I out thought that was misinterpreted week. as all they said was that it was going to open with something. They're still debating whether yeah. or not there's going to be a fucking crawl in the next like canonical like numbered installment because I I don't know whether there's a I'm cr- not going to get into crawl that shit. or not. I don't <laughs> really give a shit. I only care about but, the grammar of the crawl because then it will. <laughs> hey, get what about you want to talk about people getting pissed off about a series? How about in uh, Attack of the Clones when the camera tilts up instead of down after the opening crawl? People like what the fuck? Wow! Oh wow! I forgot about that. Thing. Deep uh, cut. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, I was only going to say that, like Rogue One. We, as much as we thought it would be complete, not okay. Maybe not we, but I thought maybe it could be completely standalone. All the shall we say news reports that have lately come out have been how Darth Vader will be featured and little yep. things like that. Of course, he's going to be featured. Uh, well, which I it's yeah. totally fine. All I'm saying is that the. the there's never going to be a new continuity, I think, established. I think there could be. Let's put it this way. This Rogue One film never was going to be, because this was always supposed to be the story about how Many the Rebels died. The Rebels stole the plans for the original Death so Star. So do you think that like the Han Solo movie, that will be not a new continuity? I mean, I know we're getting a new actor, but it, that seems like it'll be a prequel. I think you're going to get more original stories that push away and have... 
less and less involvement with the original trilogy as as time goes on. We're not noting the fact that before all of this, before Disney's like acquisition of Star Wars, before The Force Awakens, there was already a very storied extended universe that pretty much had that all. And, and after Disney acquired it, they kind of like sweeped it under the rug and like put it under a moniker of legends. And now they're just sort of like selectively um, cherry picking elements from that and like putting that into their new things. Like the, the new star Wars, like animated series, like has a prominent villain included in it. That was pro- like included in the books that took place after um Return of the Jedi. So we'll see like how they actually factor in the ex- the old extended universe like stories about Han Solo's uh, origins into the actual like Disney official canon now. I think in the next five to ten years, and this is not including the new trilogy, mm-hmm. but in terms of where the series is going to go, I think it's going to be a lot more like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, where it's going to have relation to the series. But even that's same. clearly set in the same continuity. Like, we're right. not getting new stories. We're getting kind of ours, stories though. that are supposedly always existed, but we're now just viewing them through our camera lens. But it's not like... Let's put it this way. It's not being forced into the same exact realm that we are already accustomed to. When you're, when you're saying that, it's like stories that always occurred... We, we, we hear about, but they always occur off screen. I mean, the best example of that is the Clone Wars. Yeah. That was just mentioned as oh, a homicide. And, and, and the, the Rogue One film. is a good example right, of right. it because right, yes. stolen Death Star. Right. Right. Here's, I guess I'm getting confused because I feel like we're not arguing the same thing. All I said was that I, I wish Star Wars would be able to tell new stories and new continuity. Like, do whatever they want right. and not be... Uh, t- whereas it's going to be difficult to do that. Not when you're. Well, it's not difficult. It's just a matter of whether they. No, well, when but, you're but, 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 the space opera. Like, how far do you want the rabbit hole to go? Like, do you want them to not have lightsabers or blasters or stormtroopers or, or, or what? I just don't want to feel like that this movie is in service of going to support like the trilogy that's currently out. That can stand on its own as a film, yeah. distinctly. And like, I like, I, I and first of all, I don't really care because I don't really care about Star Wars. <laughs> all I said in the beginning was that I. I just think tethering the Star Wars franchise to a linear continuity, whether they go back or forth, is up to them, uh, is certainly a financial gain for them. Yeah. Uh, it's not really a creative one. Uh, for, well, when you pay $4 billion or something, you're going to have to get your money's worth at some point. Totally but, yeah. I, I just think it's silly that we would have to wait 10 years before we got a new Star Wars universe or something. I agree. I mean, that's we'll the see. thing is that this is supposed to be the biggest galaxy whatever. Like, how do we not have, like... A, a story that takes place on a galaxy that maybe has no idea that all of this is even happening or, you know, it's just like there's so many possibilities and we keep being tethered to this timeline. Whereas Star Trek, and I don't even like the second movie, so I'm not even saying they have a good hit ratio, but the fact that they are using old properties and characters to certainly lure viewers in, I appreciate the fact that they are telling new stories with them uh in an effort to but, not... Or recycled stories in the case of oh, yeah, Star Trek I, Into Darkness. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not right. that it's a perfect formula or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about Star Wars because it's not going away anytime soon. That's nope. unfortunate. It will outlive all of us. Probably. Yeah. So moving on to another series that has been resurrected out of the death of darkness. And that is Ghostbusters. Let's do it, guys. Let's bust some ghosts. Hey, I gotta tell you something. All right. 
Ain't no bitches killing no ghosts. Oh my god. Wasn't that, that great? That was oh man, I, I oh god. <laughs> no. Oh so god. the film we are talking about is in fact not the original Ghostbusters, but it is the new Ghostbusters film directed by Paul Feig, uh which just re- was released about a week ago, or a week and a half ago or so, depending on when you're listening to this episode. If you clicked on this episode thinking we're going to talk about the 1984 Ghostbusters, psych! We're talking about the 2016 one. Anyways, so this film stars Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones. and also features a couple other uh, names that you may or may not have heard of uh, throughout time. Uh, including some guy named Neil Casey, who plays the main villain what's his name uh rowan rowan oh i'm proud of you i couldn't remember his name i mean i'm so forgettable i'm looking at my smartphone that's the only way i would have remembered i wasn't and (laughs) get the fuck out of here yeah and also uh chris hemsworth who plays their assistant whose name is kevin Hmm. uh this film follows a ghost invasion of manhattan as paranormal enthusiast Aaron and Abby, along with nuclear engineer Jillian Holtzman and subway worker Patty Tolan, band together to stop the otherworldly threat. My name is Aaron Gilbert, doctor of particle physics. Ah! That stuff went everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. Aaron, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. I'm joining the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. You didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. And we might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on! The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? bigger picture at hand here. These ghosts can possess the human form. Oh, hell no. The devil is a liar. Get out of my friend, ghost. Ow, that's gonna leave a mark. The power of pain compels you. Uh, this film, as I mentioned, was directed by Paul Feig, who, uh, who's done some pretty well-named stuff, uh, including Spy from uh, last year, which Nick, I know, saw and said it was pretty good. He also did Bridesmaids, which uh, is a film that I really enjoy, as well as the film The Heat with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. And he's the creator of one of the seminal television programs ever created. Which is? Racing Geeks. Good. Oh, wow. Cool. Just saying, that's that's his biggest contribution and, to planet Earth. Uh huh. That's awesome. I'm, 
I'm not a big television person, so sorry I didn't have as much there Thank you, you, Nick, for sharing. I would not yes. have known that. For sure. Yeah. Anytime. So anyways, Ghostbusters, uh, before we talk more about the actual film and what we actually thought about it, this has probably been, I would say, one of the most unnecessarily controversial films of this year so far. There's always one. There's o- there's always one. If it's not this, it's Thor. If it's not Thor, it's it's Mad Max Fury Road. If it's not that, it's probably something else. It's it's just that so much internet hatred for this film for really no reason. I mean, there there's really nothing threatening here. I I, I read some things on on IMDb and other places that said that this was an extremely man hating film, which I never picked up even a little bit. Um, Even it, if it was, suck it up. <laughs> and just the the litany of online videos of people who went out of their way to complain that this was ruining their childhood by having women starring in... I mean, let's just call it what it is. Like, that's what all these videos pretty much said, even though they tried to say, oh, I'm not sexist, but why are there women trying to catch ghosts? Yeah. Like, it... And we're That's a man's about, job, catching ghosts. We're not talking also, and it's forget about the whole women aspect of it first. This is, for the most part, a remake or a retelling of an older story. They're not trying to remake The Godfather here. This is fucking Ghostbusters. Even if they were trying to remake The Godfather, I'd, I'm never one to care that a new property exists. Like I don't understand how that affects anybody's view on a property. Oh my god, it. don't put that out into the universe. <laughs> I'm I'm being really fucking serious right now because like you think like no they they would never stoop that low they would never try to remake Francis Ford Coppola's magnum opus don't ever put that out into the universe I, I mean, all I said was I don't give a shit I, I I'm know. just saying that this goes deeper for me than even the sexism about it like it's just a remake of honestly a silly movie about people trying to catch ghosts yeah. Yeah. well it goes. It's you more than that. Than sexism. I mean, that's definitely like. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's 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 even more than that. But then you get to the service level of it, which is just people looking for the easiest way to criticize this film. And for some reason, they decide it's because oh, it has women in it. Instead well, I mean, of men. I think that. Well, I guess I will say at least I I do think that is not. Like, I don't think it goes deeper than that. I think that's mm. pretty much the prominent reason that everybody made silly little basement videos. Um, <laughs> I get it, Especially I don't, that one. And I don't remember nobody's the Nobody's saying this about the news. Angry video game nerd. Yeah. Is that, is that his yeah, name? That was, that oh, was good. His, yep. That pretty uh, much perfectly describes that person, too. Great. Oh, that's complicated. Because there, we, we should not – like, there's something about this. And if you look at what's different about it, it's not because it's Ghostbusters. It's because this is the first in what appears to be a long line of uh, studio female remakes. Um, Ocean's had, Eleven. Ocean's Eleven and a um, – uh, what was the other thing that I was thinking of? There was going to be another one, too, but I can't remember now. But, Avengers? Uh, what? Nothing. Oh, I'm no. just kidding. Um, but I, I clearly I, – like, if anybody can't admit that that's not the common denominator here. Then they no, I mean, I, I, th- I think it is for sure. And on the surface level, as I mentioned, that obviously is the easiest thing for people to point to. But I I don't get any anger putting a, putting aside the, the, the female aspect because, for me – even if that is the the obvious choice, that's something that seems so preposterous to me. If you get angry for there to I, be a movie with women in it, whatever. But just to be angry in general about any sort of remake about a Ghostbusters film to me is just ludicrous. I'm 
I'm of the opinion that um, well, well, first off, I hate the fact that this film, and along with all all these other sorts of films that I, that I named before, have been sort of converted into chess pieces in this long game of of of, of a zero sum cultural game that somehow like if there's more women on screen that means that there's less men working and that somehow that that that's a a knock against men it's it's so fucking juvenile and asinine you grow the fuck up it doesn't fucking matter um my, yeah and where were my, where were all these women's groups and I, I know there are women, right. women's groups but uh, where are all these these women's groups when the entire industry has been dominated by males over the past however many I years mean, I mean the, the, that's the, what? The, the, what wait what women's group no I'm just I'm just kind of roofing well, off of what Toussaint is saying no, I'm about just confused I, okay about how people are seemingly not thrilled with women taking men's jobs when for years, it isn't been that men are taking women's jobs. Well, uh, that was actually the case. They back were just in the typecast day. into like certain roles. Well, yeah, films. that's what I'm yeah. saying is that films had roles specifically, almost always designed for men, and specific roles designed for women. And women <clears throat> could not reach up and grasp that leading role, or or be a series in which they are the main protagonist or the main team, even in like, even modern, like, like Scarlet Witch, like, even though I like her character, yeah, she's just a secondary character who's never going to sniff having her own film. Right. And I guess that's more what I'm trying, trying to go for is that it, it's, it's like any dudes who decide to create a group like return of the King or any fucking internet group that they want to start. Oh my like, God. Are, is, is, is this really a thing? Yeah, it's I, it's it's really a thing, and I just want to make note of like when I heard news that this film was announced along with the uh, now canceled Channing Tatum uh, <laughs> spinoff that was supposed to be an all male thing, so it's supposed to be a counteract thing. Um, I was actually kind of uh, see the women took their jobs. Uh, no, it's <laughs> it's just a shit film, and Channing Tatum is busy with other shit right now, like Gambit. Uh yeah, with Gambit and but whatever, not, and whatever the f- and too. MIB Magic Mike three something crossover with with Twenty One Drum. I don't give a that shit. that better happen. I don't give a shit about his career. I'll be there day one. He'll be there. Too. I'll be there. It's whatever. It might be shit, but I'll be there. Okay. Um. But <laughs> my main contention with it was just like Harold Ramis, who was one of the original writers and one of the original characters of it. Like, hey, he got a female bus statue. Female bus. That, that wasn't a female bus statue. Yeah, that was that was his face. Oh, sorry. I... Bus. What? <laughs> yeah, like that. Did he that... Have boobs? No. Any. Anyway. God damn. Anyway. Just... Wait. I wait, didn't wait, even wait. notice it. I just read in numerous places that it was supposed to be a woman. I don't, no. I don't it's know. no. Just, Anyone who just... says that is asshole. Okay. That's that's, <laughs> that's his fucking face. That's Egon. Okay. That's, that's, All right. That's Egon. Oh. I, I really en- I really I enjoyed this. it. And... Huh? I, first of all. I... Yeah, do you know where it is? Because I noticed I, it. I did not see I, it, when so I saw it. So I'm just going. It's off when, when Kristen Wiig leaves the, the the office of her higher up boss. And okay. it's right there in the university in the hallway. Yeah. Um, but a female bus. I man, that is it's it's sorry. not it's not a female it's just bus. A bus. It's just oh, a bus. Oh, it is. His it? face and his oh. head. So that's why I'm like, wait, did you think it had like? Breath? I don't know. I yeah. didn't see it. So all I'm going off so, of is the three reviews that I read that all said it was okay. female bus. Okay, that is interesting. Okay, so, I love the internet. Have I said that before? It's Great. Okay, so now that we're done with the whole female bust thing, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the one contention that I really had that I 
I was I didn't give a shit that it was it was it was female Ghostbusters. It doesn't fucking matter. You know who you sound like. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. The only reason that I I felt felt kind of like miffed about this was because how castrated. Her- no, god damn it. Shut up. Anyway, Harold Ramis has been trying to like make a star like a like a a Ghostbusters film. Yeah, he didn't try but- hard enough. <laughs> Wow, now I'm just done. I'm I'm really done. Wow. I don't I don't even really want to articulate that point because you keep on dogpiling me and like I'm sorry. Licking please. me with these return of no. the king assholes or no. whatever. And, please it, and it's fucking please, shit. Please continue. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I was I was you, you know, I, I'm I'm a little bit like miffed about that because like this guy who had been trying for many, many years, going through many, many different scripts, who kept on hitting the brick wall that is um, Bill Murray's uh, recalcitrance of, to ever like adopt that role ever again, and then finally he dies. And within the same year, two Ghostbusters films get get cleared without his involvement whatsoever. What the fuck is that? I think that's fucking disrespectful. Maybe uh, I, I, I I think that's fucking disrespectful I, for the if you if, look <laughs> if you were working on something that was really important to you and then you died and then somebody just like immediately afterwards just like. This is mine now. I'm gonna, maybe, I'm gonna do it now. Maybe he was holding the. I'm, I'm just saying. Maybe he was holding the Ghostbusters series back, and I'm not. I'm not trying to say that to be right. like mean to him or anything right. like that. But maybe he was honestly trying to do something that was just not doable. Like I was going to say, like all I hear from those stories and what you just admitted is right. that. The movie he wanted to make was never going to get made, yeah, and right. apparently he couldn't make any other version of it. Right, which sounds like he's like one of the people who can't see the, the movie as, as existing as any other kind of property except for the way that it originally existed. I which... just, I just wish that for a guy who who tried as hard as he did to like make a film like that, I wish he could have actually like had some type of hand in it. It would have I been, mean, it would have been nice. I think here's what I think. I. If clearly, he didn't, I don't think, wanted to have a hand in any other property other than the one he would have created. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that like he died and then these two things popped up is not a cause-effect of like, well, now they can move in. But more of like, okay, well, it, we'll let him try to get his movie. But now that he's passed away, yeah. like somebody who is a fan of Ghostbusters, who's not afraid of change, shall we say, or not afraid of shall we say, just a slightly different look or whatever, is going to try to make their own spin and that, not try to... That was like, just my my initial um, my initial impression I of it. I just don't think this was done to Harold Ramis. Right. I don't, I don't think it was done to Harold Ramis. I just think it's just like... On, on the outside looking, looking in, it's just like, that seems kind of... Yeah. That just seems kind of shit. You I know? mean, it's shit, but it's, it's shit because of the fact that, you know... Uh, well, I don't even know if it's shit because from all the things I read is that nobody wanted to do it really. Like mm. uh, Bill Murray especially, and I feel like Dan Aykroyd said he wanted to, but I also he also says that we were this close to contacting aliens. So I don't think he's yeah, really he's, all there. Yeah, he's, um, he's really mm. – I well, know Ernie and, Hudson has not had the best things to say about Ghostbusters and right, the way and he was Sigourney written. Weaver probably not interested. Right. And Rick Moranis retired Right, so it's kind of like so. he's trying to make a movie with the worst – like not cast, Ensemble of but, people who do not want to right. actually be in this movie. So it's like – it's just, you know – People, yeah. Just fortunately, you have to wait till he was dead, which anything means that people were respecting him. I think because yeah. they're like, "Hey, you can do it if you want to. Like, yeah. we'd love to see it, but but now it's not going to happen." That was my own my only initial contention with it. But 
obviously I went to go see the film, so like Well, and let's let's get into that. Is 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 this was in fact a movie, as I said, it's it was a film. I really wanted to see from it. Just a think piece. It was it was a feature length film. This was a feature length film in where people went and they busted ghosts. So it was exactly what this said it was going to be. It's right there in the name. Um it is. The two thousand sixteen female Ghostbusters, it's right there in the name. <laughs> And I have to say, if you guys don't mind me just starting off and Go for it. rambling off my, my quick thoughts, is that I had really no expectations for this, although I will say I, much like Star Trek, don't have really any nostalgic feelings for Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I've seen most of the first one, but I've never actually sat down and watched the entire first Ghostbusters. Huh. Never seen Ghostbusters 2, not interested. And I went, saw this film, and for the most part, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was a great piece of art. I didn't think it was a great comedy film, but I thought it had its moments. And I thought for what it was, it served its purpose. And it was a perfectly adequate comedy film. Mm-hmm. Um, Melissa McCarthy, who for the most part, I don't care for her brand of comedy. Uh, I thought she was okay here just because she wasn't doing everything that she usually does that I don't like. But at the same time, I think she harnessed, the things she does well and um, had them in a more tasteful way, which apparently has become more of the norm with her last few roles, at least. I was going to say, I think we say, like when you say usually does, like just because her most famous roles are Bridesmaid, uh, Tammy, and maybe Spy, but you know, whatever, like those are like the off-brand, like she was also Suki Stackhouse for seven seasons on Gilmore Girls, where she was a very normal person. And then never once, I think, did a single character call her fat or, like, the comedy. What? Oh, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, I feel like, like the... it's hard for me because I've never seen right. any of episodes of that of that show. Yeah. I've never seen Spy, right. but I have seen Hangover 3. I have seen Bridesmaids. I have seen Tammy. I have seen the one she was in with Jason Bateman, where it's very much that. And so... I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying to, like, I guess... Like, I would never fault somebody for cashing in on a stick if it means that they get to also do the things they love in between, which I think she is kind of doing. But that's which is like St. Vincent and you know what I mean? And, which is for me, yeah. that's why I like seeing those kind of properties, because if this is what she enjoys doing and, and this is what she yeah. does well, I like watching her in them because I think she's actually someone who brings something to the table who isn't just a stick thin, beautiful actress who is just playing to that stereotype. Like she is a person who is playing a character and she is there and she's a person and she's a pretty decent actress. Um, All the other characters here, I, for the most part enjoyed Kristen Wiig was okay as her role. Uh, The only person who I definitely think was standout in this film was Kate McKinnon, who I thought was great. Uh, yeah, she was great. She looks exactly like the chief from the Carmen Sandiego cartoon. She's also really deep cut with Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, yeah, where in the world is she? I mean, she. I can show you a picture. She looks no, exactly like. But you. her character of of Holtzman, and they pretty much only call her that. I actually don't even remember her being called by her first name of Jillian. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out that I am a very big idiot. Because okay. Aww. No, not really, but this is how much TV I've watched. But I said Suki Stackhouse, Stackhouse when I meant to say Suki St. James because Suki Stackhouse is Anna Paquin's character from True Blood. Wow. And I was not going to live with myself if I didn't correct that out. Well, here. thank you for bringing that to the table. Good. Too much TV. But it, 
her character of uh, of Holtzman was really the only character that I latched onto that I thought was great from start to finish. Everyone else had their moments, but I really, for the most part, enjoyed her, especially after the first 30 minutes or so, which I actually thought was by far the weakest part of the film. Really? Yes. Oh. I thought all of the sort of groundwork that was laid for this was kind of boring and very dull and very by the book. But once we got more into the story and some of the nostalgic moments, even if I'm not really into them, I enjoyed them. And I enjoyed a lot more of the comedy. What did you think about the opening scene with uh, Zach Woods from uh, Silicon Valley as the curator of the haunted house? I mean, that was okay. I, like, personally for me, that was... One of the hardest times I actually laughed in the film. Yeah, some I absolutely of his love jokes. that opening sequence. Yeah, like, like, and I really hope he comes back for a sequel somehow. Like, I would love him actually more than Crimson Headquarters to be like a person that hangs out in the fringes of their operation. Right, like I just uh, the anti-Irish the, security. The, no, no, no. The whole thing was was like this. This house is is. It was one of the most technologically advanced of its time and had the first face bidet and the anti-Irish immigrant yeah. <laughs> security system. No, that, that, that and, was great. and then they pointed to the parlor and just like, rumor has it, this is where P.T. Barnum first came up with the idea to enslave elephants. Oh, that was great. That was amazing. That was great. Uh, the, the other than that awesome line let read by reading the the video of the YouTube video that uh, included the line "Ain't no bitches gonna hunt no ghosts," All which right. is absolutely fabulous. The two things I definitely want to mention about this film before I pass it on, and I just keep my normal thoughts. I like this film. I thought for the most part it was funny. Kate McKinnon was really good. Uh, that was one of the three things I definitely want to mention about this film is her uh, solo scene during the climax of the film where she is single-handedly fighting the ghost and the original theme song is playing, I thought was excellent. Uh, even though it's, uh, you know, 25 to 30 second scene, it's just her and it, it's a character who's basically a minor third character who, uh, who gets the big fighting scene, at least until the weird very end scene that was kind of bizarre. But she got the big... <clears throat> door busting fighting scene I thought and I thought she was great in it and it was just the visuals and it's just her having the weapons she created fighting against the ghost but it had the music behind it and there's some about it that just worked for me and she also had the uh, the heartfelt uh, send off toast speech which I wasn't expecting to be as as like nice as it was but it was also played for comedic effect as well she had so many awkward lines some of which were good some of which were bad but when they were with effect with other characters, especially Andy Garcia's mayor character, who also had a fabulous line, uh, not wanting to be referred to as the Jaws mayor, was great. Was great. Nobody compares me to that Jaws mayor. That was fantastic. And, yeah. and the fact that it was Andy Garcia made it that much better. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I do want to say that was absolutely a negative about this movie, um, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was one of the worst cameos I can remember from the last, like, ten years. Like, and uh, Nick... Thought it was blasphemy, but I was uh, right there with for me with the Jay Leno cameo from Ted Two. Whether or not you agree with it is fine. Mm. The Ozzy Osbourne cameo here was so out of place and brought absolutely nothing to the I film. Mean, yeah, why the a fuck was he there? Show. <laughs> what? It was a metal show. That's yeah, fine. but he wasn't even playing. No, he was. He was on the poster. Yeah. He was supposed to be there oh. uh, as he was like the, the oh, headlining that was, act. That was, that was the opening act that was playing? Yes. Was, oh, He's okay, the headlining whatever. act. Still, though, the fact that out of nowhere he just comes and has no line. Shit, no, yeah. I think I had a flashback. Yeah. Um, boy, that was peculiar. Um, so He lives a very peculiar life. I don't. 
I don't know. He's had, I, a, he's had a very peculiar life. I mean, he's yeah. So I, that was that was weird. But for the most part, this was a passable comedy. It didn't bother me because film. it wasn't rooted in uh, blatant and unnecessary homophobic. No, like, I, like Jay Leno's. Uh, and cameo. I'm. I understand uh, for different reasons it was, uh, but it for me, especially someone who has been into a heavy metal and rock music my entire life, uh, and I've seen Ozzy Osbourne perform three times in concert. This, this here's this wax skeleton. No, I mean he's always been like that. That's nothing yeah. new. But seeing that out of nowhere, for the most part, I was like, "What the fuck is even happening right now?" Oh, and I made a comment that it was weirdly dated already in this month <laughs> because of the fact that we found out. And I know it's so stupid to bring up, but uh, it's just as far as like when was this filmed? Because it was announced that they were going to get a divorce. So like now that we have a scene, oh. in, you know, in this movie that just came out, that's of him calling. That it just looks sadly more pathetic than it but, was probably intended. What's really sad for me, at least, is for a guy who honestly made. I don't want to say like music history or anything like that, but he was a part of a very influential heavy metal group, Black Sabbath, and he's also had a lot of major things happen Damn in his it. career, whether it be the Alamo, whether it be the Bat, whether it be the elevator incident Damn where it. he was rubbing his own shit all over the elevator. We he's all do that. Had all kinds of moments, but the fact that Ozzy Osbourne is going to go down in history being known for the guy who yells Sharon on a reality TV show is pretty telling about this millennium of crop of people. So getting back though to Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. It wasn't great, but I laughed and had fun with it. So mm -hmm. I will give more a little bit later. Let's move on to somebody else. Why don't I go? Cause I don't have much to add. Go for it. And then we'll go. <clears throat> I gotta say the only negative I can find in this movie was that it starred four women. Um, Ooh, <laughs> God damn it. No. God damn it, Nick. I honestly, I thought this movie was very funny. Um, it's like, it. I like Alex, I do not have a personal connection to Ghostbusters. I watched it when I was a kid. I watched both of them, actually. And right. I, I, th I remember enjoying it. But I enjoyed it as a kid because I felt like I was watching a much more adult movie than I should have been watching, which certainly is clear. It when feels you, taboo. Yeah like, like yeah, like it was a weird kid's movie that had Dan Aykroyd uh, getting oral sex from a ghost. So it's like... Of course, that 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 won't ruin your childhood, but you know, making women uh, bust ghosts will. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I remember watching it. I have memories of it, but I never grew up loving it. Uh, in fact, I think it's one of those movies where I I like all the individual performers, but I feel like putting them all four in the movie did not let them bounce off of each other well because I feel like they're only good on their own separate platforms for me. Uh, so. With that said, I sadly I would rewatch this Ghostbusters before I rewatch the old one because mm. this is more my brand of humor. Uh, I like ensemble pieces where it's people just kind of riffing off of each other. Um, and and I'm not even going to say that this is like a great comedy. It's not necessarily that. It was just a very entertaining blockbuster movie for me. It's uh, it's a movie that doesn't really try too hard, and it certainly rests on the laurels of a, you know, of its predecessors. I'm not going to say that it had to do heavy lifting to get to this point, but if the movie was trying to make me laugh, it succeeded. If the movie was trying to, uh, shall we say, uh, wow me with some uh, CGI and special effects, it definitely succeeded because I saw the IMAX 3D version, which was fantastic. Oh. Uh, the this was the first time I've ever seen this in any 3D presentation since IMAX 3D has become a 
uh, normal thing. Yeah. But the way the uh, special effects, like the uh, the lasers and other things, would crop off of the actual aspect ratio oh, and onto dope. the black bar, uh, and actually make this an immersive experience, I thought that was fantastic. So I definitely recommend the IMAX 3D experience, uh, which might be hard to find, unfortunately. Really? I think. Yeah, I think after the first week, it's. Oh, you mean like by the time this? I yeah. Was gonna say, I think but the first week, yeah, but the first week, but then Star Trek shows up, and then two weeks later we hit. Well, then Jason Bourne, then we Suicide Squad. Yeah. I don't know. Jason Bourne doesn't need to be in the IMAX. It doesn't, but that's the problem with the way IMAX, yeah. it works these days. Because like last year, where me and you, after a lot of outcry uh, from multiple people, including myself. Uh, Mad Max came back for a week in the IMAX when there wasn't anything there yeah. like four months later. And it's just weird how that how that works is the cycle pretty much dictates that, oh, whatever is the most popular movie is going to be in the IMAX theater, which yeah. is unfortunate because the, this film was great in the IMAX format. It was. And so, yeah, it, as a comedy, it made me laugh. As a special effects uh, blockbuster, I very much enjoyed it. I loved the look of the final climax with the parade and some of the other ghost design, especially the uh, 2D animation I love of the uh, the original Ghostbusters logo coming to life uh, before he becomes the 3D counterpart. I, I was a fan of that. Um, so just in overall, like, I, I don't know, and this is blasphemy, but... I watched this, and I just don't understand how this is a far cry from what the original movie was, which was a fun trifle that makes me laugh periodically and appreciate the comedic talents on display, but in no way makes me a champion of this franchise. So those are my thoughts right now. Okay. Um, I mean, I come from a very, very different sentiment when it comes to my impressions about the original Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, even 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 Ghostbusters 2. Like, I, I enjoyed Ghostbusters 2 when I was a kid. Um, Ghostbusters 1 uh, was one of those films that I used to watch all the time, like rewinding my VHS over and over and over again, along with uh, Tim Burton's Batman and whatever Disney film I was, like, rotating through at the time. Um, so I guess it, it is it's sort of like... Maybe not a, a touchstone of my childhood or whatever, but not in the same way that. Well, that even if it is, that's but, fine. But not in the same way that uh, Tim Burton's uh, Batman is. I don't. I, I don't think that this film ruined my child. If it did, oh my god! Can you imagine? Can you imagine if this film retroactively ruined? I can't my imagine any movie doing that. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> weird. I mean, I you mean, can't it, you can't just time travel unless into- you somehow like. Show your kid uh, Solo or 120 Days of Sodom oh and don't tell them what it is. God. And then wait 20 years to show it to them again and then all these repressed uh, memories come back. Like that is a case in which a movie could potentially ruin someone's childhood and you realize that, yeah, you know, you used to watch that movie where people ate shit. Um, but, uh, <laughs> like, other than that, I don't it understand how... It would have been better how... than Ghostbusters 2016. <laughs> oh, God. Other than that, I don't understand how a movie can At least you included the 2016 in childhood. There. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that this film, for me, was it, it, surprising... Not even even surprising, considering all the the controversy, the artificial controversy attached to it, because of this another things like moving it as a culture a culture war piece. Um, it's perfectly inoffensive. I I don't I don't find anything offensive about this movie. I mean, there there was a whole like uh, queef joke that they had that they threw <laughs> in there where I didn't think that was offensive. I was just like, okay, this is the level of humor that we're going for and stuff. It's like not 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 debasing it not insulting it but you know like you know it's going to be a little more crass a little bit more lowbrow and i'm not saying that's a far cry from 
from the original Ghostbusters. I, say, I thought the it's, original it's was not. more crass. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's even more crass when you're whether it's when, better or, or well, I'm not debating. Right, but. right. It, it, it's not even that, but it's just like you know, it's like I I I'm on this this film's level. Like unlike previous films that I might have like like seen where I kind of like. Uh, misinterpreted or am I have been on a skew from it like out of rhythm with I feel like I'm in the rhythm of this actual film there was a queef joke wasn't there there was a queef joke yeah, yeah. it was like you know just like oh okay that was actually pretty clever um <laughs> but but honestly I I didn't laugh a lot at this film mm. I was just kind of like I I enjoyed it um I thought it was visually very interesting I I of course, it's not going to be visual special effects. It's not going to look the same way as the 1984 Ghostbusters did because this is – like it's perfectly inoffensive. This film is perfectly inoffensive in the way that I feel like it is to me not distinct from – it is indistinct from any other tentpole, big-budget, hmm. sci-fi, comedy film that might come out. Of, out, out. I, don't, I don't think like there's any like inherent identity to this other than it being like – Named Ghostbusters and and inspired by the 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 brand or whatever the, the the mythos of Ghostbusters. Like I didn't feel like it really touched for me anything that like I I don't I don't know if I'm going to remember this in a couple of of months, but I would still go see another one just because I thought it was interesting enough. I thought the visual style here definitely tried to mix current computer generated graphics and feel of the original Ghostbusters series. I mean, they, they I feel like they, they lifted story beats directly from the original Ghostbusters film. Uh, and so did Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, so did Ghostbusters 2, that's <laughs> but true. But in terms of... But I feel like, like it's the, more explicit in this and that it's like hearkening to the original Ghostbusters more. The, the yeah, but I mean, this movie technically has a reason to do it, whereas like a sequel shouldn't be a cash and like if, if this movie has a debt to pay, then at least like paid it and didn't pretend like it was just ripping it off. I'm so. just saying that I'm looking forward to uh, another Ghostbusters film and I, I, now I know the news about the the, the secret the secret um, post credit scene that I, I didn't stay for because I didn't think there was going to be one <laughs> where Zool from the original Ghostbusters is going to be the villain apparently in the second one. I'm just like okay fine. I, was just, I just want a new villain that's not Rowan this 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 yeah, that was terrible. I don't, I don't know what to know what to make of Rowan. He's just, just, I, what the fuck? Like what? fifteen minutes into the movie, I thought it was like Rowan was supposed to be like a walking internet comment board. Yeah, type that's thing. what I thought so. Yeah, but then about halfway into it, I realized that no, I actually don't think they were intending anything like that. And he was just so underperformed that I was actually grasping at straws as hmm. to what his purpose you was. You were trying to complement the role right. greater than it actually was, right? And because uh, I, I genuinely think he was just a horrible villain, uh, yeah. just just through and through. It's and, like and, the fourth apocalypse, and I'm going to lead them. Uh, just like okay, where did you learn that from? Oh, you probably learned it from Zool. You you shouldn't relegate if, – if that's the thing, if that's how Zool actually comes apparent in this, like Zool was the one who was like moving Rowan to actually do that. Like you shouldn't relegate that to a fucking secret post credit scene. That Wouldn't pisses it be great me off. That's bullshit. In the second movie, uh, the Ghostbusters walk through an abandoned building and they just see photos of all these people and they have the web intertwined like Inspector. Sorry. I was going to say <laughs> – <laughs> I was gonna say Zool was the new Thanos. God. Uh, see, I almost went there with uh, Blofeld, but there you go. But no, uh, I have to say I'm starting to get really tired of the post-credit introduction of villain thing because I think we can do a little bit better. Because 
we've done that already, and now we've done it to the point of just complete boredom. Whether you're it not be, Marvel, who the fuck are you? Why are you doing well, this? It, it's everybody, though. It's it's Thanos. It's Mister Sinister. Uh, it it's pretty much the every... Wasp. I hope to God they don't do that with Star Wars. I hope they don't do that with with Star Wars. Yeah, but there's really nowhere to. Like, there's no comic book villain that's hiding somewhere. It's not like, ooh, look, we're bringing back General Grievous. Like, no one's going to go for that. So It's the most unfortunate name to name yourself after something bad. Just call yourself General Grievous. It's like... I like General Grievous. I hate that name. It's just dumb. I liked his character, though. I liked that he had six lightsabers, and I did not care. He looked like he was going to a fucking raid. And I did not care that he wasn't a Jedi. It's fine. Yeah. He was just an interesting character, I thought. Yeah. It's at least better than Count Dooku. Yeah, Count Dooku or Darth Tyrannus. Who? That's his name. That's his actual like title. Darth, sure. Darth Tyrannus. Sure. So anyways, yeah. I, I, We're back. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the visual the visual style here. Like I liked that we had the cloud above the city creating all the ghosts during the daytime, and it becomes nighttime. I, I love... What? Yeah, yeah, I, I like that cloud too. I also liked it when it was in the original Ghostbusters. But yeah, this is yeah, this is what this is. It's yeah, I know Ghostbusters. I, I know it's I, yeah, it, it is it, what it, it is. It is a yeah. remake. And yeah, yeah. No. yeah. I don't. I, I was only laughing because I knew what he was thinking. Yeah, yeah. but it, it yes, yeah, that this is what this is. Yeah, I, it is what it is. I, yeah, I, I, I just think I just think it's it's interesting to like it's it's hard to point out scenes that feel distinct to this film that aren't just like a homage or a nod to the original film. I can see that. And and and, and I, I I would and that that's why I'm looking forward to a new Ghostbusters film that's not like trying to just worm in these these cameos from the original actors. What did you think of those? Did you did you I thought for the most part they were horrible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mind uh, them. The the Bill Murray one was okay. The Dan Aykroyd one was just bizarre. I am afraid of no ghosts. I thought that was actually the best one. Hmm. Not the best one because I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's how to do it or something like that. But I thought that that actually, like, a cameo is supposed to be something that feels spontaneous. Which which... is how I felt about the uh, the Ernie Hudson one at the the end of the film. Well, okay, that was. But I guess I was thinking, like, versus, like, Bill Murray where it's like we need – and especially because then he re-shows up and Mm -hmm. and whatever. But I thought that was a great way. To reappropriate uh, Oops, the old folklore of the the original Ghostbusters yeah. and involve it in an understandable way during the chaotic uh, climax of the new one, like it just it, made okay. sense. It's and because like... he also he seems like a cab driver, he's got that voice. In him. <laughs> you know, like it's not like he's like like uh, the Annie Potts cameo or something where it just feels like it's so. Uh, just I don't know, like Sigourney Weavers too. Yeah, during the mid credits mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, where it's like it's just sticking out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. my favorite, the the one scene that actually does stick out with me that I I enjoyed was because it it, it was the 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 giant float balloon scene oh. where they were fighting against that because it didn't remind me of of Ghostbusters. It reminded me of Tim Burton's Batman. So I guess it just like reminded me of another that scene. Film. Actually, I will say for me that is the probably the biggest standout scene that I remember that doesn't involve necessarily like a certain line or anything like mm-hmm. that, but it involves two things. It involves my without a doubt favorite character from Ghostbusters, which is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. 
And it also involves a great callback into earlier in the film when Kristen Wiig's character is given a knife instead of an actual new weapon, oh, yeah. and she uses it to to pop him, and then he yeah that yeah. that was great. That's that a, was a great uh, use of storytelling, in my opinion. That's a Chekhov's gun, isn't it? Like if you give somebody yeah. an object like that, they have to use it at some point. Like in the you third actually, act, yeah, right. yeah. But it it just worked really well, and for the setup for both for both that and with the actual um, blow up. Marshmallow Man. Yeah, it's great. I, 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 one thing that I didn't enjoy is like during the the climax um, when they're hunting down Rowan and he just for whatever reason decides like, oh, what form should I take? And I'm just like, oh, it's like I'll be this giant like ghost thing that's kind of like an extrapolation did, okay. of your logo, but it looks like you. L- but, let, but let's talk about that really quickly first. What did you actually think about before that when he becomes the animated version of the Ghostbuster? Because me and Nick, I think, both very much enjoyed that part of it and yeah. wished that that went on longer before it became the big, weird chef. Uh, chef. The, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, what the, the hamburger helper. Um, chef Boyardee? Or you no, not the, Chef Boyardee. The Pillsbury yeah. Doughboy. Not the Pillsbury Doughboy. It's, it's because of the, the look of the eyes, I think, of why I'm thinking of the uh, – it's the mitt. It's yeah, the, I know the, what you're the, the mitt. Yeah, I know. Th- ham- hamburger Helper. Hamburger Helper's yeah. mascot. Yeah. 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 Isn't that just Hamburger Helper? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Before, yeah. though, when we see the actual Ghostbusters symbol becoming like an animated, like old-time Disney animated cartoon, mm-hmm. I love that. And I think I Nick did, too. As well. I thought that was if, interesting. But that, the whole scene of like how, how it was framed. realistic. It's like, what? what uh, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's that shit right there. Okay. Um the whole setup for that scene is like, what form should I take? It's like that's obviously trying to like harken to the original film where where Zool is just like he's like you have to choose which form I have. Like, but there was a context for why that that was because it was part of some prophecy about that character. Whereas with this, it just felt like okay, this is the part where you have to choose my form, and I turn into the not Stay Pup Marshmallow Man. Yeah, uh, I just appreciated that on a visual level because for one thing, I got to say like. Ghost stories have to, just in general, have to make me believe that, like, whatever the otherworldly presence exists in a plane that doesn't, uh, is not the same as ours, like, that they're somehow caught in between. So that 2D-ism of that image just really freaked me out uh, in, a, in a colorful way of, like, oh, I haven't quite seen that, and it makes sense that I wouldn't be able to understand what's exactly happening, because that's how I, I should feel, and it, it was both bizarre and yet, like, fascinating to watch, so I, I didn't mind that. Um, I want to shift gears a little sure. bit, uh, just really quickly, and mention a few, because this was a comedy, a few jokes I appreciated. Literally just going to list my like three that I can think of that I loved, but uh, we, we mentioned the Jaws uh, mayor line, which oh, I thought yeah. was great, but was great. also earlier in that scene when Kristen Wiig first shows up, I loved her silent kind of physical comedy of her at the window when <laughs> Cecil Lee Strong, who plays the mayor's aide mm-hmm. in, in the uh, uh movie and basically narrating her action where she thinks that every single window is like a door she's like oh oh she she thinks it's a sliding door but she moves to the next one. Oh nope she she thinks they're all doors and like that that i thought was great um i did appreciate chris hemsworth even though i can understand why somebody else wouldn't but specifically uh when a ghost throws uh one, one of them off the window and he he shouts oh he, he went out the wrong door and uh so I thought that was great. Um, but, yeah, I thought, like, this was a funny movie. Were there any particular jokes that you guys... I have to say... Know? Just uh, beginning ones. The the part of the film that, even if it wasn't funny, but something that I wish would have been more involved in the film, 
was during the credit scene when Chris Hemsworth is dancing and all of the other police officers who are frozen by him start doing the same dance that he's doing. That was a weird commentary on Black Lives Matter. Oh, oh my God. Except talking about Michael Kenneth Williams, who is playing a very interesting character here. He is. Um, I, I, like, I wanted to see more of it. I wanted to see more of this film feeling more fun than it even did. Like, I felt like this was a fun film, but I felt like that was showing a level that it could have gone to that would have made this I mean, even more relaxed. So you wanted, like, a song and dance number in the movie? I, I would have been okay with that. Because there were two. My. Oh! My other. Anyways, I, I'm just saying really quickly that, that I appreciated that a little more looseness in I mean, the. That was what the end credits were for. I don't know how they I guess. would have, like, spent four minutes of it's, you know, it's not Magic Mike. It could have been. It, Why not? I mean, if it would have Fuck been, it. that would have been great. But Magic Mike is a male movie, and this is a female. I just, I, I want to, <sighs> I want to leave now, and I don't want to come back. Oh, okay, <laughs> son of a bitch. Another uh, joke I enjoyed was the um, uh, Kate McKinnon reactions during the scene with the the meeting with the mayor. That was fabulous. Pretty much every line she had in that when uh, <laughs> when he's asking him and he's like, I can't remember what he asked, but he says something like, "Do you know how many whatever?" And then he's she's like, "Is it what? one? No. Is it two? No. Is it one? No." <laughs> yeah, then just getting escalating yeah. more and more into absurdist humor was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, Tucson, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I think that one of my other favorite jokes was when they were looking for funding from the college that they were housed in. Uh, and you're just like, honestly, I, I didn't even know that your department was still around. It's like, no, we're not going to give you money. And he just like, he, he starts giving them the finger and just like starts like blowing it up like a, like a balloon animal and just like, soap. I caught it. I was like, I, I, I just always enjoy whenever uh, a fic- fictional character like does the blow up middle finger, and I thought that was a really nice riff off of that. I, mm. I appreciated that as well because I'm always a fan of a one scene character getting more like outraged than they should, and we getting no context as to why they're such a big dick, but they are. So no, I was a dick man. Yeah, and I appreciated that. Yeah. I think that's about it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's really not in terms of this actual film. Even if this is a film that I think we all agree is is okay that it existed, especially with just a female cast. There's nothing. I mean, I don't wrong think any laws were broken here. No, uh, the laws of good taste. <laughs> that was fabulous. No, I'm just saying. Uh, this this is a film that, in no way, I feel like its existence. Um, ruins anything. I, I I would like to try to unpack um, just for a moment why there was such a, a virulent uh, reaction to this and the fact of there being a new Ghostbusters film after so many years. It's because even if the, the, the general sentiment around the original film might vary uh, among this group, uh, I think that it's of general knowledge that Ghostbusters is one of those films that stands as a as a tentpole, a cultural tentpole in, in its imagery of the 1980s. Like it's, it's, it's part of, it's, it's, it's part, no, it is. It, it's, it's part of that same sort well, of fabric. What you're saying is not necessarily untrue, but I don't know But that fueled the reaction. I think that to... did fuel the reaction because people keep on referring to it as, is this nostalgic ideal. Like it, it's, it's made out to be something bigger than it actually is. Nostalgia really gets thrown around when we changed to all genders. I just don't see them saying the same thing for star Wars when that came out in the original, uh, with the neutral. That you, think they, and, you think they didn't 
like talk about nostalgia with them? No, they did, but they they were. I don't think we had this outcry of like we we should make more Star Wars because those were from the eighties and that was such a tentpole of like no it this I just I think it's because I guess it was I will, from the original creator. I will and put this right a, now on air, and I'm very sorry to do this, but anybody who doesn't believe that the internet outrage had to do with misogyny is kidding themselves. I think that <laughs> yes, it was to do with that but i'm trying to understand and try to explain like why is there so much affection and so much attachment to oh, ghostbusters well, that's different ghostbusters I mean, in that's... general like that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to unpack well, like you said i want to unpack I, th- I feel the... i feel like that's part of okay. why like so many so many people are so protective of it let's say this though party. let's say that this film never took place and there was just the channing tatum version that came out there would not be anywhere near this sort of outcry for it. I just it. would not want to go see that. That's well, fine. That's totally fine. But and, that's the thing. That would be the reaction yeah. if someone truly had a problem with it. But the fact that people were making a movie that didn't cater to these people's dicks, that is what causes outrage and nothing else. It has nothing to do with nostalgia. And I'm not talking about why Why do people love Ghostbusters. That's different. That's a whole separate why conversation. Why people feel inclined to review the trailer of this film. Right. I mean, that's... But, or uh, have an entire nine-minute YouTube video um, dedicated to them saying, I don't hate this because it has all women, but here's the reason why these women should not be in this movie. Right. And the other thing is, is that I, I'm never – and I know the internet is a bad place and there's always bad <laughs> – The internet is a, <laughs> is a bad place and there are a lot of bad yeah. people on it. Right, but we cannot ignore the fact that this wasn't – that this was a normal reaction to remakes these days. Okay, like we have to admit that the the common denominator here was women. For sure. And that even when the movie came out, there were leagues of groups saying things like, like how do we like boycott this movie and how do we – and not just in that typical okay, internet Okay, guys, the film came way, out. But like, like, yeah, that Reddit uh, thread that got circulated wildly yeah. uh, around the internet about like, okay, now the movie's out and it's getting positive reviews. How do we let the American public know that the critics were paid off and bought? Now, you know, That's I mean, a true picture right there. I've never you – know, like, Throwing himself in the line of duty. Yeah, and this is clearly – not an isolated thing because it might happen again, but this is clearly a new form of widespread uh, and vocal misogyny and, that we haven't seen the likes of since Gamergate, I, I don't think. And maybe it, not quite. If, although, if, if, if we're just going to talk about the, the film arena, I mean, it was a much different scale because this was a film that primarily uh, casted men in it. But look at Mad Max last year. We already hit on a little bit earlier. But we had a whole legion of people saying how horrible of a thing it was that Charlize Theron's character that had, was in yeah. like a dominant role. And I'm that not was saying like a that... subgroup of like people who I would say are always been vocal. I feel like Ghostbusters shed a new light on the others. And I totally got you on that. The silent majority, so to speak. But yeah. But I guess what I'm getting at is that it doesn't take much for the internet to turn on the oh my god, there's females leading a uh, leading a film. We need to get. On this, because this isn't going to work. No, it's but uh, it's not going to work. <clears throat> but no, well, but it, but it's horrible to. And like I was trying to mention before, like there's no argument at any point for any of this argument to really even stand on. In because it's it's males who are leading this 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 charge, right? I, like yeah, it, it, and it, I know that it's redundant in what I'm saying, but it, it's it it's dudes who are Leslie saying, Jones. Yeah. Uh, basically being forced off Twitter did not happen in a vacuum of only no. racism. No, it didn't. 
I mean, Ernie I mean, Hudson was in the original, and I'm not. I'm not trying to make that equivalent film statement of like, well, the film has black friends. But no. but to be fair, <laughs> uh, but, the internet really did not exist in the form that it does now. No, no. let alone as as a as a like a widely accessible like product that people are no, able no, no. or system that people that. are able to But all I'm with. saying is because we called them misogynists, they switched to another channel and they tried to drive away it in another form and unfortunately it was People racist. were still racist back then and probably had some shit to say about oh, them, but I, it just wasn't broadcast saying, as But as the same widely. dudes who totally don't, and I'm not saying all dudes, mm-hmm. okay, not all men, but a lot of dudes who love Ghostbusters that have a problem with women in this new movie probably also love Ernie Hudson hey, as hey. the role that he is. All men matter, okay? Oh boy! Oh boy! I don't know. That's debatable. Oh um, but yeah, I, I I totally agree with you, Nick. I I think that it, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. I think it's just a huge shit pit of of misogyny and racism. And I'm like, for me at least, like uh, when it comes to movies, I'm like Ben Mendelsohn in The Dark Knight Rises. I'm like, you know, can we just get some girls in here? Like that that's my philosophy. <laughs> I think it's a little different what you're looking for, but that's okay. Oh God. Uh, I'll say this though: no, no matter what it is, I hope it keeps coming, and I hope it's in, in bigger numbers. Like, even though I'm sure I won't enjoy the Ocean's uh, Eleven remake as much as the Steven Soderbergh films, I think that's. Gonna... I think it's because it's going to be a different kind of film. That's not going to be my exact brand of comedy, like that film was. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to go see it. It right. doesn't I mean that it won't it. be good it just will be different and here's the the difference between sane people like us three and (laughs) and bad people is that like i would love nothing more than to love the new uh you know oceans 11 movie or something like that since that is a property i do enjoy so it's like if by some off chance that like i can't wait to find out if by chance it could be but and and there's a good chance that it won't be as good as as those films now you're just being sexist just kidding. But Aww. at the same time, uh, it, it, I'm, I'm at least interested in, in what it's going to be and if it's going to be good or bad. And and I think that's the, the, the weird thing about Ghostbusters, the film, is that it seemed like some people were like saying certain things about this film because they didn't want to say bad things or they didn't want to say good things. Like it was a really weird place for reviewers, at least from the reviews that I read for it. So You know what would be cool? Oh, boy. If in the new Ocean's Eleven's movie, George and Brad show up for, like, a one-scene cameo, and they're going to help the ladies out, but then uh, whoever is going to be leading the charge, let's say the Danny, the Danielle Ocean, so to speak, of this group, uh, sends them away, and when, when they go to, when she goes to her number one in command, and as the reason as to why they're not going to, they, she goes, it's not their fight. It's not their fight. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? Man, that would be... It's a deep cut. It's not that deep. No. It's deep, man. It's from... Ocean's 13. It's from the opening scene of that's, Ocean's that's 13. deep. Let me tell you. It's not that deep. It's deep. Now, if you brought back a line from the original Ocean's 11, that would probably be a pretty deep cut. That would be. That'd Especially be. because of... And here's the thing. <laughs> no, I was just going to say of the... The interesting quality of, of the uh, the Ocean's Eleven, especially with the uh, shots that are used over and over again, because whatever, and that amazing uh, song uh, sung by Sammy Davis Jr. E O Eleven. Yeah, I. Uh... <laughs> 
I don't know what the fuck that was. EO EO. Want to know? Want to know something? EO eleven. Want to know something great about Sammy Davis Jr. during E-O those days? Eleven. Even though he performed with the Rat Pack, he had to go through the back entrance because he was not allowed to come in with the other three gentlemen. That's uh, bullshit. That is. That's absolute bullshit. His name's on the marquee, but mm. can't go through the front door. EO eleven. <laughs> Going great out there, guys. All right. So let's go Do to... Do we want to move to ratings? Yeah, I'm All ready. Right. All right, sounds good. Yeah. I will go first since I started off. E-O. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I gave this film a three out of five. Uh, it's a passable film that I definitely want to watch again. Uh, 3D part of it actually was pretty good for someone who hates 3D in films. I enjoyed it here. Uh, Nick, as you were mentioning, the bars, I think, added something to this. And I'd like to see more films, especially if they're going to have moving parts uh, in terms of characters, whether it be ghosts or or whatnot. I think having the bars on the top and bottom really do bring a lot of depth of field into, into these 3D films. So I'd like to see more of that. And I like the characters here, too, even though I didn't necessarily love Kristen Wiig's character at every moment. Kate McKinnon, I thought, was a, a great character to have in here, and I thought her acting uh, brought a lot to her, her character and actually made a somewhat minor character have a lot of a storyline w- going from start to finish, even though we really don't learn that much about her, which I thought was a really nice sign. And there were a lot of parts that I actually uh, enjoyed quite a lot, whether it be the lines we mentioned or other small little things. Um there are a lot of comedies out there that are meant to be comedies that I don't laugh at nearly as much as this. And uh, I'm glad I did. And I'm glad I enjoyed it, even if it wasn't a great film. So it's a three out of five for me for uh, the new Ghostbusters film. All right. Uh, I will echo that sentiment and say I also give it a three out of five because I was never not enjoying this movie. Uh, it never transcended itself into something that I would necessarily champion so to speak but i was never not having fun with it and i enjoyed it for what it was and it's not that i i I can't watch this movie and not understand why anybody would have a problem with the movie there's a difference between having a problem with the film and having a problem with the film's existence and i i feel like the loudest detractors on the internet per se are more upset about the the latter than they are the former, which is why I'm not taking too much of people's criticisms about this movie seriously, especially because this movie doesn't really warrant that much discussion. It is so yeah. uh, just this is both an insult and yet also something I appreciated because not I don't want every film to be. Uh, highbrow art or whatever, but this movie is literally just trying to be a fun sci-fi funny romp. Right? And it's just it, like any other. Yeah, and if it just if it fails at that for you or anybody, that's totally understandable, but let's not pretend that this is a movie that's trying for something. This uh, is a movie that's a, a comedy with people busting yeah. ghosts. Yeah, and one last that's thing I'll say. Yeah, and one last thing I'll say is that uh, on the flip side of that argument of how, you know, like, I, I don't care what anybody has to say about the detractors who, you know, have a problem with that central uh, female component. I'm also on the other side of the camp. I'm not, this is in no way a feminist statement or anything like that. And, and I actually appreciated that. Like, the fact that the movie didn't try to either apologize for its existence or explain it or whatever. So if anything, it might be subtly feminist in that uh, in that nature because... I mean, the the... the... The final ghost monster of Rowan gets shot in his nether regions and then dragged into the pits of hell. I'm just like, mm, well, whatever. Oh, I didn't even notice that that's where I got shot, but yeah. maybe that's 
how I was paying attention. I don't know, but That's I, okay. I got to say that it was refreshing to have four female uh, comedians who are of a certain age, too, not young bombshells, uh, be interact with each other, not talk about men, and not be catty. And, like, uh, an organic friendship uh, ensues between them uh, throughout the whole film, and we never once have to... Uh, Th- they don't get into petty jealousies and whatnot. And What's that called? The Bechdel test? Well, yeah, the Bechdel test is the test, which is also a bullshit test. Uh, <sighs> to be, even though I, I totally see the need for it, but the Bechdel test is not the... Uh, the, the arbiter the, of... of... Of anything quality. It, it's oh. an interesting thing, but it's it's like Schrodinger's cat. Once you open that box, you can't take it seriously. Um, <laughs> it <laughs> It's... Um, and so, yeah, a movie like this passes the Bechdel test, but that doesn't mean that it's feminist in nature. Just like a movie could fail the Bechdel test and maybe be a grand statement on patriarchy and misogyny, you know, whatever. It's just it's such an irrelevant thing. I, I hate people that bring that up. <laughs> I think you just left it. I hate people. Damn, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not literally. I just, right. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, I hate people in general. That is true. So three out of five for the new Ghostbusters movie. Woohoo! Answer the call. And Oh, is that the, the subtitle? 2016 female Ghostbusters answer the call. It it was in the in in the credit. It was after. in the end credits. Yeah, yeah. It was maybe, weird. Maybe they were playing with it. I don't know. Um, I give this a two out of five. I didn't hate it, um, and I didn't necessarily love it. I mean, I it, it's it going back to my statement and piggybacking off of Nick's statement is like this is a perfectly inoffensive film. I, I don't feel like it does anything. Um, spectacularly different than any other of its contemporaries other than the fact that it now has the brand of a of a ghostbusters film and for a lot of people that's going to irk them because they think that ghostbusters should be like this very distinct and very like like encapsulated like self-contained thing and it still is in a way it's like ghostbusters is not going to go away that original film is not going to fucking go away neither is the sequel they actually george lucas the original movie and shut the fuck they up. cut off all the main character dicks stop okay um anyway um at th- one th- point uh... during the original movie they actually inserted a tampon commercial halfway oh. through it was uh oh. yeah. well good thing i got the original cut on my yeah. on my dvd it's like good. good thing i got that um, anyway, it's just like, it's not going to, to go away. It, and, and that's also, again, like piggybacking off of Nick's statement, it's like, it's both a, a compliment and a detriment of it. And it's just like, I don't feel like I'm going to really remember this film a couple of months from now. Um, uh, for right now, I, I sort of enjoyed the impression that I got from it. Um, the humor, maybe it's just me. Like, what's the name of the, the director again? Paul, Paul Feig. Paul Feig. I, I, I guess I am in the minority in that I really did not enjoy Bridesmaids. It just didn't do anything for me, and maybe didn't need to see my riddle shit in the street. Yeah, it, it's just it's just maybe that, that that's supposed to be the litmus test of whether or not I'm going to really enjoy his sort of directing or his sort of like humor, and that just didn't really resonate with me for this film. Like at the beginning when I'm talking about like the aforementioned like Zach Wood lines or whatever, it's like that should make me laugh really hard. I was just right. like, okay, I was kind of like nursing like a, a a small but not really vested hope that maybe this could be my 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 requisite dose of whip whiplash like caustic humor that like I, I wanted out of out of something like the nice guys, but I didn't get really get that from that. Sure. But it's not like it, that's not what this film is. It's really not what it is. Paul Feig, I will say, has been making a career out of taking 
what is preconceived male vehicles and putting women in them, whether it be a literal existing property mm-hmm. or a bridesmaid that was the gross-out raunch comedy fest, which had never really had an all-female. Or the counterweight uh, the, to the, Hangover. The buddy cop film. Like I was going to say The Heat with the two female cops or Spy, where you have a Jason Statham character playing the supporting character instead Which of, is pretty much what Chris Hemsworth is doing. Or is yeah, he actually yeah. like literally plays a secretary. Right. So, it, you know, I mean, that's... Who, who's, who's a ditz? Which I'm not saying that means <laughs> yeah. that his movies are good or whatever, but yeah. that is, that's his through line, is, and, is un, yeah. unapologetically making Inverting movie... archetypes yeah, and other yeah. things. Like, and, and good for him, you yeah. know? Like, I'm not going to hate on uh, what his approach is. I think that, in principle, I, I applaud that. I think it's really interesting. At least he's trying to do something different with that. Um, a lot of people are going to say that he's just, like, playing to the crowd in such a way. He's like, well, well fuck it, whatever. It's like, I don't... I, like. That, that that's what who pe- said that? That's what people would I'll fucking beat him. Oh damn! Cool. Anyway, that's what people who, beat him off. Sorry. Who who would be? <laughs> oh my god! Who who would criticize this film and just like oh, is that they're just appealing to the feminist like women demographic? I'm just like I don't I don't fucking care. Like but but wheeling back off of that, it was just like I personally. I, his work just doesn't really really do it for me. That that's what yeah, it is. It's fine. Yeah. So. Let's look at other like remakes that have come out though, like like legitimate remakes. I that just have, have come re- out. The, reboot fatigue. The new 2016 Clinton election, you know, that's the female version. Ooh. That'll I was ruin my childhood. A, of, I was going to go the in Bill a, Clinton presidency. Let me tell you, yeah, different direction. Bill Clinton is ruining my impression of Bill Clinton. <laughs> Continue. Anyways, uh, I was more specifically talking about the film that is destined to not do you well at the theater. No. Uh, and that is the uh, the new Ben Hur film that is coming out in August. Mm. That will be coming mm. and going very quickly from the theater. Uh, I don't understand. I don't either. Yeah. It, and the only thing I could possibly think of is look at how awesome we can do this chariot scene with CGI, which God. is the only thing that I think will get anybody to go to the theater. My great grandpa was alive. He would be storming up the aisles because that would ruin his childhood. <laughs> but you take and, and and that's actually a legitimate example. Great grandfather. Wait, how old is this fucking film? Ben Hur? Yeah, he's from like the 1940s. I 1940s? Think. Yeah. It's oh, old. That would be like your grandfather. It was like, okay, then. so I'm not great at basic math. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But, I mean, your great grandfather would be like dating all the way back to like the 19. 19- I'm sorry. That is actually. Maybe they had children young. Okay. That is actually something, though. In, in that specific example, where you're taking one of the probably top 25 most memorable. Most action, celebrated films. Action sequences of all time in history. And ruining it with 2016. Whoa. Ruining Whoa. it. We haven't seen ruining. the movie yet. Yeah. Okay. Let's okay. not. Let's, let's I, not. I, see I'm with you in the I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be awful. Yeah. But I will admit, as much as I don't understand it, I just don't have to see it. So I that's don't really true. Care. But I guess more what I'm getting at is that we have people who are upset for whatever reason about Ghostbusters. And you look at a film like Ben Hur, which is honestly just shitting all over a, a honest film gold mine, and no one's talked about it in a good or bad way, which more feeds to your point, Nick, which is yeah. what I was trying to get at. And yeah. I'm going to go see Ben Hur for sure in the theater because it's Jack Houston's first starring role ever, as he was great as Richard Harrow on Boardwalk Empire. Oh. And he gets to have his whole face here, at least for part of the film, so that's good. Oh, he was that guy? Yep. Uh, He's well, the guy. Yeah. His mask sold for $12,000 in that online auction on HBO. I know, so I bought it. <laughs> it has got a lot of disposable income, man. 
Right. Can't wait for that Game of Thrones auction. That'll be the big one. Oh, I want to buy one of the scripts so I can rewrite some of that. <laughs> oh god damn. <laughs> that was one of the Ooh, that was Lord. one of the best jokes you've told on this show. <laughs> like for real. That was good. Yeah. Well, that was thank great. You. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I actually don't hate Game of Thrones. I just like giving <laughs> Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I mean I don't enjoy it, but <laughs> If you have any thoughts on Ghostbusters, whether it be this version or the original version or anything else, uh, you can always send them on to filmtankshow at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at filmtankshow. On our next episode, we are going to be discussing another classic film. And um, this is definitely one of those films that if you haven't seen it, you should give it a try because it is definitely a little bit different. But definitely uh, lives up to the word classic in every uh, meaning of that of that term, and that is Akira Kurosawa, Kurosawa's Rashomon from 1950. Um, Kurosawa, who is a one of the absolute masters in terms of, of filmmaking, and he's he's a legendary filmmaker. Uh, this is. One of the top two films, I would say, from him, even though he's got lots of them. But in terms of ones that you've probably heard of, it's yeah. this and Seven Samurai. Yeah, those are the peaks of his popularity. But I, for the most part, but for good reason. I mean, yeah, I mean they're 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 great films. Uh, Seven Samurai is a very long film, and Rashomon is not long at all. It's yeah. only about an hour and a half. But it's a very interesting story, and I don't even really want to talk too much about it because this is definitely a film that I think you should just sit down, not know really that much about it, watch, and then sort of see what you feel about it. It's afterwards. weird. It's like every time I watch it, it's like eh, it's not how I remembered it. You know, the last time I watched it, which is the point of the movie. So, <laughs> which you're jokingly saying that, and uh, paraphrasing from The Simpsons when yeah, they're. they're I don't forget who's talking to Homer, but somebody says something about Rashomon, and then he says, "That's not how I remember it." <laughs> but it, 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 it's great from a narrative context, and it's great from a film context at the same time, and it's just an interesting view in filmmaking at the same time as well. That is one of my favorite. I, I know we're going to talk about it next week, mm -hmm. but I just have to set up the ball and say that that the shot in the of the temple in the rain is like one of the most indelible images in cinema for me. That is great. There's a lot of other. Yeah. I, I oh, mean, yeah. the the use of rain in this film is absolutely yeah. fabulous, especially with effects from seven years ago. And for me, one of my favorite actors of all time, forget about American, Western, Eastern, whatever. One of my favorite performers of all time is someone who is typecast big time into these roles. And that is Toshihira Mifune, who is absolutely phenomenal in this film. Okay. In probably his most outlandish role uh, of all of them, at least of the ones I've seen, because he always plays, for the most part, the same kind of character. Because he's someone, I would say, who's kind he's of a like... a shouty motherfucker. He is. And he's kind of like Jack Nicholson in a little bit of a way, where he has to always play that same kind of over-the-topness. <laughs> but uh, here, it's... Toshi. It is... <laughs> It is even more over the top than his other roles, yep. uh, and it is absolutely wonderful. So sure. Rashomon is a film you should definitely check out if you haven't seen, and we will be talking about it at length on next week's episode. You can find all of our episodes on FilmTankShow.com or on iTunes or Stitcher, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week when we're talking about Rashomon. From Nick Cheney to Sant Egan, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much, as always, for catching up with us here at Film Tank. We'll catch up with you next week. 